Hello, and welcome to this Solus Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solaschurch.com. Well, with that, um, Luke chapter 2, and I want to talk on the subject of joy, specifically joy to the world, and I think this is, um, uh, Andrew joked that it's the hangover Christmas message, and it's pretty much that, Um, but I think it's important as we go into our new year um, just with this idea of joy um, and moving in that direction. So um, we're going to be in in verse 10. We know these verses. Um, I want to key in on just a couple of these verses, and then um, we'll talk about it. Sound good? And then we'll go to our Welcome to Solace Church meeting, and then we'll go eat lunch, and it'll be a wonderful Sunday. All right, uh, verse 10, it says this. Then the angel said to them, pause, we know this, but just so we are all cued in on the context, these angels are talking to the shepherds in the field. This is the moment, right? This is, this is the Christmas story. The shepherds are there keeping their watch by night, and all of a sudden, a multitude of heavenly hosts, they're there. And the angel says to them, to the, to the shepherds, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. We're going to talk on the subject of joy. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, and we thank you that we can be together. Lord, there's freedom enough for us to gather and to worship you, and we thank you for that. And Lord, as, as we are sort of unwinding from such a bizarre year. We thank you that you're so good, and Lord, you're in control, and Lord, help us to see that as we move into the new year, just trusting that you have a plan, and um, we love you guys. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if we were to summarize our year um, and the feelings we have felt, um, I wonder what some of the words we would use to describe, to summarize our whole year. Probably for many of us, it's worry, it's uh, anxiety, it's sadness, maybe it's disappointment, maybe it's frustration with people, maybe there's bitterness or resentment that's been built up over people or, or groups of people or ideas. And for many of us, we um, would summarize that this has been one of the most difficult years, right? I mean, that's just a reality. And it's almost like cliche to say that 2020 has been weird. Like, we're like, yeah, we get it. 2020 has been weird. Um, And it's easy for us, I think, to recount, looking back at this calendar year, all the negative. It's easy for us to, like, go and just remember all of these negative things. I was reading that many studies suggest that human beings are hardwired towards the negative and that negative experiences stand out in our mind more than positive. I'm sure all of us would relate to that. You know, like, we have no problem remembering, like, negative things. My brother, um, I've, got, I've got three younger brothers, but my youngest one is he remembers everything. It's, like, very bizarre. He'll remember, like, the day of the week um, and, like, the month and date of, like, some random event. He, he's like, yeah, I got my uh, braces put on at this day. On th- like, why do you remember stuff like that? But he always remembers weird negative memories, and my mom is always like, I was a really good parent. I don't know why you remember only the negative things. Um, and there's a, there's a tendency for all of us to remember uh, the negative. In fact, they say that it only takes three seconds for a negative experience to make an imprint on our mind. And it takes 14 seconds for a positive one to make an imprint on our mind. 
So in three seconds, a negative experience sticks out in our mind. And it takes 14 seconds for us to actually have that positive experience, make that imprint on our life. And most of us would probably agree with this study in our lives. Like, if, hey, what was a bad thing that happened to you this week? We'd be like, oh, this happened, this person, this person cut me off in traffic, this coffee shop took too long to give me my, like, all of these negative things, and then, like, give me something positive that happened, and you're like, uh, right? Like, that's just kind of how we are, and we tend to focus on the negative, and something about, I think, both Christmas and New Year's causes us to hopefully pause and, like, look ahead to the, the perhaps there will be joy in our future, like, okay, all the negative behind me, but at least, like, the calendar is changing. At least, like, for the next few weeks, we'll have to, like, scratch out the zero and add the one when we're writing the date, right? Anybody, like, take forever to be like, what year is it? Like, what day is it? Anyways, but, like, at least there's that new calendar day for us to reevaluate. And there's something about the new year and Christmas that helps us to do that. But I think the message for this morning and what I, I don't want us to say is that that the, the new year or Christmas or the message of Jesus is not a band-aid that just helps cover up the hurt that we've experienced. But that the, the, the message of Jesus and the hope of the gospel is that, is that we can experience a joy that transcends even the feelings, the experiences, and the calendar year. That we can have a joy in Jesus that goes beyond just the hope of the new year or the forgetting of the negative that's happened behind us. That we can actually carry with us a joy that goes so deep that we can have it in the middle of whatever we're experiencing. And that is the whole point of this Christmas story and this text that we're looking at, this announcement that the angels had to the shepherds and to the world. And the first sort of thing that I want us to understand is that God has a word for the world. That God has a word for the whole world. That's what this message is, these angels declaring to these shepherds in the field. He's saying, hey, God has a word for the entire world. And what you need to understand is that this word, this message is a message of joy. It's a message of peace. It's a message of love. It's a message of hope that goes beyond the circumstances that we are walking through. And this is what that message is. He says, don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I want us to sort of break down these lines that the angels have to say to both the shepherds and to us. The first thing they say is, don't be afraid, right? So, so here they are, multitude of heavenly hosts. It's like pretty remarkable, the middle of the night, what is happening? And the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. Um, that phrase, don't be afraid, is actually the most common command in all the Bible. Don't be afraid. And I love that whenever angels show up on the scene anywhere in the Bible, the first thing he says, hey, it's okay, don't be scared. Like I imagine, like we picture sometimes angels, like these little fat babies with angel wings or whatever it is. But apparently angels are terrifying. Because every time the first thing is, oh, it's, it's good, don't be afraid. So the first thing, hey, do not be afraid. But bigger than that, this is the most common command in the Bible, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, over and over again. In fact, four times in the Christmas story, um, when you look at it, the, this is the, the saying that begins every message from God to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds, uh, to John the Baptist's parents. All of this is don't be afraid. 
And we are constantly reminded throughout Scripture to not be afraid. And perhaps now, more than ever, we need this reminder. The message of God to the world, to the follower of Jesus, is do not be afraid. With all the uncertainty and anxiety and turmoil and confrontation and and uneasiness, it is easy for us to fear. But God commands it. He said, this is a do not. Do not be afraid. But, you know, this isn't an empty command. He doesn't just say, hey, don't be scared. Like, I imagine, I don't have any kids, but I imagine if, if you have kids and they come into your room in the middle of the night and they're afraid, they're like, hey, I'm afraid. Your response is, hey, just don't be scared. All right, go back to bed. Like, don't be afraid. Go back to bed. Usually there's probably some sort of a reason why they shouldn't be afraid, right? Hey, don't be afraid because either I'm here or there's nothing in your room or let me turn the light on or did you have a bad dream that wasn't real, whatever it is, right? Do not be afraid. It's not just that's it, now go away. It's don't be afraid and here's a reason, here's something that you can hold on to so that you don't have to be afraid. So the angel says, don't be afraid. Why? And he says, well, because I bring you good tidings. Now, that could also be translated simply as good news. This is the Greek word. We get uh, the Greek word euangelion, and it's where we get the word in English evangelize or evangelism, right? We've heard that word a lot. That's this word translated that way. It's often translated in other parts of the Bible simply as gospel, so good news or good tidings is simply translated as gospel. Now, this is not just good news. This isn't just good news in the sense of like, hey, I've got good news. Like, I found a good parking spot. That's good news. Like, that's great news. Awesome. Oh, my gosh, I got good news. Like, they gave me a discount on my coffee this morning. That's great news. But the good news here, it's, it's bigger than that. It's the good news. This is the message that God wants the world to understand. This is the news, the news that the coming coming kingdom of God and of salvation that is obtained through faith is here. It's arrived. This is the message. This was the good news that the people of Israel had been waiting for, that there is good news. The gospel, the Messiah, the Savior of the world has arrived. And the people that were dead in sin, that we have been in darkness, now we've seen this gray light. There's this reality that the kingdom of God is now being ushered into humanity. The, the people of Israel would sort of look at the world in, in sort of two ways, this age and the age to come. I'm sure you've heard this. But this age is sort of the, the kingdom of men and of sin and of darkness. And then the age to come was the hope that one day God would establish his kingdom here on earth that we would get to experience. And the good news, the message that these angels are here to deliver is that that, that kingdom, the door is now being opened to it. That, that now we are going to be able to experience the kingdom of God here and now. He says, hey, don't be afraid. Why? Well, I've got good news. It, it's, it's actually the best news. It's the news that all of humanity has been waiting for to experience the message that there is a Savior and he is here. And the good news was the ushering in or the opening of the door into the age to come into the kingdom of God. So he says, don't be afraid. Why? Well, because I've got good news. And then he tells us what that good news is going to do. He says, it's going to bring you great joy. Don't be afraid. Why? I've got good news. And it's going to bring you great joy. The message is a message of 
great joy. With all of our fear, worry, pain, struggle, hurts, doubts, God has a message of great joy. Now, a couple ideas on joy. The word great joy is the original Greek mega charis, which I like that. Mega joy is the idea. Like it's joy, it's mega joy. It's big joy, it's great joy. And it carries a couple ideas. One, it carries the idea of a joy that overtakes you. Almost like a, a feeling or an emotion that overtakes you with great joy, right? Like we just celebrated Christmas. Maybe you got that thing you were hoping for, or maybe you gave that thing to your child that they were hoping for. And it's like they're opening it up, and it's that, that feeling of great joy, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. This is what I wanted. It's the bicycle. Or it's, for me, it was like a new coffee system, and like, oh my gosh, this great joy. This is so exciting. And so the, the message of great joy, it's actually a feeling or an experience that you can have that causes you to be overwhelmed with joy. And that's the promise of, of the joy in the Bible. That you can experience a joy that overwhelms you. You can experience a joy that, that you're feeling a certain way and then all of a sudden joy sort of overwhelms you with this goodness. Imagine you, you leave today and you flip on the news and on the news, every news channel you can turn on tells you that the pandemic is over. Like it's over. Like no more masks, no more awkward interactions. Like do we, like I don't know, like none of that. It's all, like you would see that and we'd be like, this is it. We did it. Like 2020, it's done, it's behind. It's like great joy would overwhelm you, right? Like this, is, we, we can move on. That's the idea of this great joy that is brought by this good news. And so because of it, we don't have to fear. It's a joy that overtakes you. But the message of joy is not just a joy that overtakes you. It's a joy we must choose. So, so the, the promise is, hey, don't be afraid. I've got good news. It's going to bring you great joy. And this great joy, when you hear it, it's going to overwhelm you. But it's not just something that's going to overwhelm you in the sense of a feeling or an emotion. But it'll also be a joy that you must choose. I mentioned in the Christmas story there are four times where the people are told not to fear. Right? So to Joseph, to Mary, to the angels, there's these different scenarios. And every time when it says don't fear, it tells them to rejoice. Don't fear. Instead, Rejoice, to Mary, rejoice, highly favored one. There's these, these, don't fear. Instead, rather than fearing, we want you to rejoice. The idea of rejoice is to choose to operate in joy, right? To rejoice is, is, okay, I'm choosing now to rejoice. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have happiness. It's this idea of no longer, I'm, I'm not going to experience fear, but instead, I'm going to redirect my energy towards joy. And that, that's, the, that's this message. Hey, don't fear. Why? Well, I've got good news. This good news is going to bring you great joy. When you hear it, it's going to overwhelm you. You're going to be so excited. It's, it's this joy that you can't contain. But it's also a joy that you must choose. And I think the joy that we must choose is something all of us could probably work on a little bit, huh? So like all of us are good at having joy when it overwhelms us and we have no say in the matter. Like, oh, it's good news. I'm excited. But a joy that we have to choose in the sense of redirecting our focus from fear 
redirecting our energy from, from being overwhelmed and afraid and anxious, and then turning our attention to joy, that's something we probably all could work on a little bit. And he says, hey, there's, there's, this, there's this promise that you don't have to fear. You can have, there's good news that will bring you good joy. Now, we are then told what that message is. So, so far, we've only seen sort of the side effects of the message. Hey, the side effects of the message is you don't have to fear. It's good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. And it's going to bring you great joy. So what is that message? Well, look at verse 11. It says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The joy that we're looking for is found in a baby that is born in a manger because he is the long-awaited Christ. Hey, guys, this angel, show up on the scene. The shepherds are there like, what's going on? Hey, I've got, don't, don't be afraid. I've got good news. It's going to bring you great joy. What's that great joy? What's that good news? Hey, there's a baby born right up the road in a manger, and he is Christ the Lord. He is the long-awaited Messiah. Now, shepherds in Bethlehem, most people think that they probably were keeping watch over sheep that would be raised to go to Jerusalem that would be then used as the sacrifice in the temple. And so they understood the idea of waiting for Messiah. They knew all about that. They would, they would get that context. They, they would, Bethlehem was an important city because David was from there. Like they, they, they were cued in enough, to, I'm sure, to get this idea. And so, hey, ride up the road. Who you've been waiting for, the Messiah, he is here. And the joy that they're looking for is found in a baby that is born because he is the Savior of the world. But listen, the key to this joy that we're talking about, uh, both a joy that you can experience and a joy that we can choose, is only found in Christ. C.S. Lewis put it like this. I heard this quote recently, and it it's remarkable. It says this, good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. He says, if you want this joy that's promised in Jesus, you must get into Jesus. You must have a relationship with him. It's not something that he's just like, as you lap around, it's not like the shepherds could just go and like, look, oh, there it is, joy, leave, it's over now. But it's this, it's this relationship, it's this invested interest in Messiah that would then allow you to experience this great joy. The joy that's promised to us is a joy that's only found in Jesus. And it's a joy that transcends emotions, experiences, what we've gone through, our, our, our insecurities, our disappointments, all of those things. There's a joy that is found in Jesus and in him alone. And then this statement sort of concludes with the proof of this reality. So I'm going to break down the statement real quick. He says, hey, don't be afraid. Why? Good news. Great joy to all people. Where? Well, it's in Christ. It's only in Christ. And he's born right up the road. And then they give us the proof. This is how you're going to know that all of these things will come about. Verse 12, it says, and this will be the sign to you, or this will be the proof to you. 
you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Okay, so it says, good news, great joy, all people, it's in Christ. How do we believe you? Why would we think, why can we trust that this message is true? Why should we believe that there is joy that we can experience that transcends everything that we walk through? He says, well, here's the sign. Here's the proof. There is going to be a babe wrapped in swallowing cloths lying in a manger right up the road. God will often confirm his messages with a miracle. In fact, this is sort of, if you've ever studied apologetics, this is one of sort of the 12 points of apologetics, is that, that if God is real, then miracles can happen, and then God will often use miracles to confirm his messages. And if you go throughout the Old Testament, we see that to be true, and then we see that through the life of Jesus. One of the proofs that we stand on as Jesus being the fulfilled Messiah is that he had miracles to go along with his message. And so the proof, so they say, hey, there's a message. It's good news. It's great joy. The Messiah is here. Christ the Lord, he's born. How can we believe it? What's the miracle? What's the proof? He says, the sign will be to you that you will find this baby lying in a manger. So the question is, what then is the miracle? Here's the sign. He's going to be, it's a miracle. It's something remarkable. The miracle is this. God is here. And he's accessible to anyone. That's the miracle. The miracle of the, the Christmas story, the miracle, why it's such a big deal for us to look at the manger scene, and why, it's, why the angels would say, hey, this is God's highest glory. Uh, w- one of the most remarkable things about the story is, is really nobody cared, right? That they, they couldn't even get a room inside of a building. They're like, here's a cave. Here's, a, here's, a, here's an outhouse that you can have the baby in. The, the world didn't care at all about this event. But then the angels show up and say, actually, this is God's highest glory. Glory to God in the highest. This is it. What, it, what is so great about this manger scene with a baby from a family that nobody really cares about, from a city nobody's ever heard of, in another city that people don't really care for? What, what's going on? The highest glory is that God is here and he's accessible to anyone. He's accessible to shepherds in a field, from, to magi from Persia, fishermen from Galilee, religious leaders from Jerusalem, and, and Americans in South Florida have access to this message because the miracle is God is in flesh and he's right there accessible to anybody. He's not in a palace. He's not found through religion He's not found through uh, having to figure out our own circumstances. He's here, and hey, you shepherds, you can leave your post right now, and you can walk a few blocks up the road, and you can see this baby who is God in flesh accessible to anyone. The miracle is that we can have access to him. The miracle is that God's message, God's highest glory wasn't, hey, I figured out a scheme that man now has to walk through and work towards in order to have relationship with me. The miracle is there is a a person, there is a child that is born today, and he is the savior of the world that anybody, no matter what circumstance or what ethnicity, the, the fact that they say all people is a big deal that anybody can have then relationship with him. And the promise that Jesus brings with him is great joy for all people. Now, if we're honest, 
many of us are not experiencing this type of joy, right? For, for a lot of us, we're just hoping that the new calendar year actually brings us lots of joy. Right? I've had a conversation with a few people just as we're ending this year, and just to, like, my fear is that when we step into the new year, I'm going to carry with me a lot of the baggage that I've built up over the last year, because a lot of the problem is not the calendar year, a lot of the problem is me, Right? Like, we're going to the next year, all my problems are going to be solved. Well, no, because you're still there in the new year. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still there in the new year, and I'm the problem. And so, so how, how, if we're honest, many of us are not experiencing this joy. So how then do we experience this type of joy that we can both be overwhelmed by and um, choose? I want to close with sort of, I guess, a tutorial on joy, if you will. Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, you can make your way over there. Philippians 4. This is a a key passage of scripture that I hope all of us are at least familiar with. Philippians 4, and I'm going to read from the ESV. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, pause for just a moment because we've got to understand a little bit the context of what's happening. The Apostle Paul is writing. He's writing to a church in Philippi, and he's writing from a prison cell. Now, one of his biggest concerns with the Philippian church is that they are so concerned with him being in jail. And he, he, so he is writing. It's, it's so funny. You would think that the Philippian church would write to Paul to encourage him in jail. And he is writing from jail to them to encourage them while he's in jail. So that's the context. And he writes, rejoice in the Lord Always, again, I'll say rejoice. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, uh, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Three things he tells us to have joy. Number one, he says, give thanks. He says, give thanks. Create opportunity for thankfulness in your life. Anxiety happens or worry happens when we compare and when we strive. Gratitude happens when we're content and we're satisfied. When we can just say, God, thank you for what I have. Thank you for what you've taught me. Thank you for what I've walked through. Thank you that you're always with me. Thank you that I have a church to go to. Thank you that there's coffee in the back. Thank you for whatever it is, just this, this choosing to be thankful for what you've experienced. And this isn't just like, like silver lining type stuff. This isn't, well, just look for your silver lining and compare yourself to how other people have it so much worse than you and be thankful for that. No, this is, this is learning, tuning your heart into just the reality of gratitude for what you have and what you've experienced. Those are choices we have to make. It's easy for us to fixate on the negative. It's easy for us to focus on what's gone wrong. And so we're just going, do you know what? I am choosing to be thankful for what I have and what I've experienced. So give thanks. The second thing he tells us is to draw near to God through prayer. Give thanks, but also be close to God through prayer. 
Your closeness to God and consistency in prayer brings perspective and joy in your life. One of my New Year's resolution is to pray more. One of the things I've been doing to help me, I'm super scatterbrained and ADD, and I have like all the best intention to sit down and pray, and then I will be, like, I would like to say that I pray for five minutes before I get distracted. I'm happy if I pray for five seconds before I get distracted. Like, I'm just like all over the place. And so one of the things I've been doing lately is I've been writing down my prayer. I just have a book, and I just write down, like, Heavenly Father, thank you. And then I get super distracted because I'm, I can't, Stay, but then I look at the sentence, it's usually like in the middle of a sentence, and I keep going, I keep writing it down. Because I want to be intentional with spending time with God, to pray, to meditate on his word, to think and listen to him, and, and to be in relationship with him. And one of the things that will help you experience the joy that God wants you to experience is by drawing near to God through prayer. Open up his word. Write it down, or if you, if you can sit there and pay attention, maybe talk out loud. I've got some friends that go for walks and pray out loud as they walk. Sometimes, or driving, praying out loud while you drive. Being, drawing near to God through prayer, because your closeness to God will oftentimes determine your perspective in what you're walking through. Draw near to God through prayer. And then thirdly, he tells us to direct our thoughts. He says, be thankful He says, draw near, and then he says, direct your thoughts. Paul tells us to think good thoughts. He says, instead of focusing on this, he says, we need to focus on these. He says, whatever is honorable and true and pure and lovely and commendable, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So he tells us, really, it's it's to retrain our mind. This is a part of the Bible talks about renewing your mind. The Bible talks about washing your mind with the water of the word. All of these ideas, it's like, okay, you are naturally, we are bent towards the negative. We, are, we easily focus on the negative. And so he says, we need to rewire our minds. We need to reshape how we think. And instead of thinking on these, we're going to think about whatever is true and lovely and good. So direct your thoughts. Training your mind to think about the things that are excellent and more importantly, think about the things that are godly. The Bible talks about having a heavenly mindset. We're thinking thoughts that are above towards God, who he is, what he's done, why he's doing the things that he's doing. Direct our thoughts. I'm going to close the worship team. You guys can come back up here. But Jesus came with good news for all people that brings great joy. That's the message, right? There's good news for all people that will bring great joy. It's both a feeling we can experience and something we must choose. And can I just encourage you, as I come into town, and this is also for me, I'm speaking to myself, we're ending this year together, that we are going to choose to focus on the joy that is found in Jesus rather than, not, rather than just the joy that's found in the new calendar year. Not to diminish that. I mean, there's great, I mean, New Year's resolution is great. Like moving into the year with all of our hopes and like, yes, this is exciting. A, a clean slate, a fresh start. Like, let's do this thing. I'm with you. Um, but bigger than that, you know, because when it's like January 18th and we're like, why is all this stuff still hanging around? Like, why do I still feel this? Why, why isn't everything just, like, why isn't it, you know what I mean? Like the reality is, is January 1st is going to feel a lot like December 31st. You know, we're just like, okay, it's a new day. It's a Friday and it's, we move on. But there's a joy that's found in Jesus 
that goes beyond what we've experienced or the calendar year or things like that. So choose to operate in joy. What if we were a people that experienced the true joy, the peace that surpasses understanding, this joy that actually, that would be something totally remarkable, especially given the circumstances that all of us have walked through. There's joy that we're here today. Like, oh my gosh, we made it, praise God. But there's a deeper level of joy that God wants us to experience that is, that is the type of joy that would allow for us to grow and flourish and walk with God and, and make an impact on the people around us and to see something different even in the midst of all that we've walked through. So let me just give you an attaboy and say you made it. Like God is good, God is gracious, we're here. But let me challenge you and say there is a deeper level of joy that God wants you to experience. That, that, that goes way beyond what we've walked through and way beyond what we will walk through. So who knows what, who knows what we're going to experience in the future? But can I tell you, there's a joy that transcends. There's a joy to all people. It's good news. We don't have to fear. It's found in Jesus. Relationship with him, accessible to anyone at any moment in your life. We can walk with him. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to visit us in person, we gather at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School in Boca Raton, Florida, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more sermon content and information, you can check out solaschurch.com.